Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome once again, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. I am John Manuel, your host. Aaron Fitt is my co-host, joining us here in the podcast nook at the almost a year old Baseball America World Headquarters here in Durham, North Carolina. Welcome once again to another year of college baseball podcasts. It's really one of my favorite features, Aaron. I know it's one of yours, where we spar every week over the Baseball America Top 25. And most weeks we don't spar, actually, but it's fun over when we, it's fun when we do spar. So, uh, John, we, John we I, might spar. I, I'm fired up and ready to go, i got to tell you. Aaron's already written most of these capsules. I'm uh, just getting started on my, my college knowledge, so uh, I actually probably won't spar because I'd be coming uh, – me sparring with Aaron about college baseball right now, about 2009 teams, would be a little bit like me sparring over the Steelers with J.J. With, uh, Cooper, uh, which will not be happening. So uh, I've, I've already learned to give up on that. So, But we're going to talk a little about uh, Baseball America preseason top 25 – being unveiled today at BaseballAmerica.com. Go check it out. Uh, lineups. The capsules are coming later this week. Thursday. Thursday. We're uh, recording this on a Monday, but we'll upload all this on Tuesday, Inauguration Day, a historic week in, in the United States and less historic for us in that we do have a number one. Uh, but a lot of familiar names in our top 25, Aaron. It's not a historic day on the magnitude of what's going on with MLK Day and and of course, uh, Barack Obama being inaugurated, but it is—it's uh, not historic in that. But it is somewhat re- recent history is going to be a little interesting with our number one choice uh, because this team has not been uh, to Omaha recently, um, and it has been a team that has been ranked number one previously uh, in the past uh, in a preseason ranking. But Texas A&M is our preseason number one team. Let's explain why we chose Texas A&M number one, because it was really a short list of teams right. that we were discussing at the number one spot. Yeah, I think I think both of us, John, settled on the same three teams uh, as finalists for the, for the number one spot, and, and we really debated this at length. I think we uh, had different teams number one at three different parts yeah. in the last couple weeks. Texas A&M, LSU, and UNC for us were a cut above everybody else. Uh, and and I think we like you said we went back and forth. I mean, I know for a while I, I think I think Texas A&M. This is kind of interesting. My own internal process mm-hmm. uh, was the first team that I thought you know this is the team I like the most. This like is the back team, in October. Back in yeah exactly. I mean I remember Jim Callis asked me in, in uh, he was he was doing an ESPN chat. He asked me who I liked the most, and that's the team I said A&M. But uh, you know you break it down. You can it's, it's easy to overanalyze these things. Right. I mean, I had UNC up there for a while, then I went back and forth between those two teams. And then you know you kind of talk me into LSU as maybe the the number one team because of all their bats. Uh, and, and you make a, a very good point that you know bats play in college baseball. You don't necessarily have to have great pitching. You don't have to have great pitching depth, but you do have to you have to have pretty good pitching. Yeah. But you can get by with six pitchers. Um, but, but I do think over the course of a season. And especially now with the compacted schedule, I think you're right to put an emphasis on pitching depth because that is borne out more and more over the regular season. I think we did see that last year. And, and w- even with a team like Fresno State, their pitching depth came up huge for them 
in Omaha when they didn't have Tanner Shepherds, they still had a second guy to go to as an ace in Justin Wilson who right. carried them down the stretch. And when they needed an extra guy, you know, Clayton Allison was banged up down the stretch of the year. They had other pitchers who stepped forward. Holden a Sean Bonesteel, a Holden Sprague. Right. They had other guys who came through for them because they had developed some pitching depth through the course of the year. They didn't have the caliber of pitching depth that North Carolina has or that Texas A&M has. Right. Like you said, I, I think it was interesting. Maybe I'm going to summarize real quick, and then I want you to get into the details. But Texas A&M has – Pitching depth, that's not quite as good as North Carolina's. But I would it's close. argue that it, you, could, you could make an argument that I think they have more. Because I, I guess maybe North Carolina's pitching at the top, we right. thought was a, we think is a little bit better. It, it's it's than the A&M's. Alex White and Matt Harvey. I don't think any team has got two arms that can match that. That's probably true. Um, and then LSU has, I think, the best hitting of this trio, Certainly. maybe by a considerable margin over North Carolina, I would say. Um, but AM has balance, and we think they have both good hitters back. Uh, incoming hitters, an offensive philosophy and that we believe in that will produce consistently for them. And they have pitching that maybe it's not as good as North Carolina's. Maybe it's not quite as good as maybe, say, a San Diego um, or some other. I mean, Oregon State has tremendous arms this year. But that A&M is right in the thick of the discussion for best pitching in the country. And we know they're going to be a productive offensive team. We think they're going to be a good defensive team. Right. This was, I, I think we felt, a, a team that has as much balance as any club in the country. Is that a, a fair assessment? Yeah, it is. And you know what? I do like their, their pitching depth more than anyone. Okay. Because especially in the bullpen, John, where they've got Travis Starling as, as an experienced closer. I didn't mention the bullpen. That's a key separator. You've got Kyle Tebow as a, as a setup guy who really, uh, you know, is, is a senior who's a 10th-round pick. He's got an electric yeah. arm. He can, he can pitch multiple innings at a time. He's, he, he's got a rubber arm. He can go every day. Really a valuable guy. Absolutely. Uh, you know, they've got Shane Minks who's really emerged uh, last summer and fall. He's another power arm back there. I mean, uh, and, and, of course, they've got four starters, John, four starters that are experienced and have really good stuff with, with, with Brooks Raley, who's kind of like a – reminds me of like a left-handed Mike Leak from Arizona State. He's the yeah. same kind of pitcher. Athletic. Athletic. Two-way type machine. guy. Ground ball guy. Heavy stuff. Uh, and a competitor, you know, a Friday night guy. Doesn't quite have a league's track record, but he's 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 a, he's a that's a great comparison. He's right there. I mean, and that's a and that's a guy to I think when you have that guy on Friday, and then you talk about their Saturday and Sunday guys, right, puts them at a huge advantage compared to other teams. And then you got guys Barrett Lauxon and Alex Wilson on on Saturday and Sunday who both can reach the mid-90s yep. and have really good secondary stuff. Uh, I mean, that's that's insane. I think, you know, having Alex Wilson as, as your Sunday guy, this was a guy who was who was an All-American type, you know, as yep. a freshman, yep. as, as a Friday night at Winthrop. I mean, that's a huge arm. That's yeah. a huge luxury. And then, and then that allows you to, to slide Clayton Ellard into the, the midweek spot as, as really a, a guy who could start on weekends for just about anybody else. Uh, I mean, it's 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 the pitching depth is incredible here. Um, and then you look at, like you said, the lineup. I mean, I think that there are question marks with the lineup. Um, but It's a freshman and shortstop, for example. That's yeah. always a question. And, and, I, and I'm really excited about Adam Smith. I know that, that Texas A&M is excited about him. They think he could be better in the long run than – uh, than Brandon Hicks or Jose Duran, these really good shortstops they've had right. there recently. But uh, he is a freshman. I mean, they did lose. I mean, when you really do think about what they lost and what they have to replace, why there would be questions offensively. To me, uh, Dane Carter was their three-hole guy yeah. mo- most of last year. He was a key guy. Not a prototypical pro guy. He was a 5'9", third baseman, but he did very productive hitter for them. Smart. I mean, again, I keep using my Sega Genesis uh, hockey, uh, you know, uh, Sega hockey references, but he had significant offensive awareness. Right. Um, 
And then Duran, like you said, was an all Big 12 shortstop caliber player. Uh, they did lose key player, but to me, the separating factor for why Texas A&M could be a number one. You mentioned the pitching depth, their bullpen. For a, t- a program like A&M that hasn't been there every year, like an LSU has been in the past and was in Omaha last year, and North Carolina coming off three straight trips to Omaha, for a team like A&M to rank over those teams has to have key seniors coming back. Right. And they have they got three or four guys back that maybe they didn't expect necessarily to get back. Luke Anders at first base, who, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, led the uh, Big 12 in on-base percentage and slugging. Yes, that's right. Uh, Star- we mentioned Starling in the bullpen, the back of the bullpen, just to have a, a veteran uh, like Starling and then Thibault, to have guys who are experienced and good at the back of your bullpen. Yes. Uh, think of what if North Carolina last year had Andrew Kerrigan back. Right. What, what a difference right. that would have made for them. I mean, their bullpen suffered, but if they had Wooten and Kerrigan, uh, you know, and, that, and that's a question for North Carolina. They lost the year before. They lost uh, Andrew Kerrigan, replaced him with Rob Wooten, who was very experienced, had a devastating slider. There was no drop off. Their bullpen was outstanding last year. But this year they lose Wooten. They don't have anybody quite to, in my mind, Colin Bates, uh, Brian Moran. Some of those guys in the bullpen are not Patrick quite. Patrick Johnson back there as yeah, well. Yeah, and I love Patrick Johnson. Know you know, you I love Patrick Johnson. So I'm taking Madison Bumgarner deep. So you know, I love him. Um, so this is a guy's. These guys are good. I don't know if they're as good. Right. Returning That's this it. year as Wooten was last year. So there's a big edge in the bullpen for me for Texas A&M. I agree. And then you're getting Anders back, and then that X factor to me is Alex Wilson. Uh, this is a guy who was a 10th-round pick of the Cubs, I believe, maybe an 11th-round pick. Uh, they drafted and followed him basically this summer in the Cape Cod League. Uh, they didn't end up signing him, but this is uh, this is a big-time power arm with experience, and he's a year-plus out from Tommy John surgery. Right. So. Uh, there are a lot of ingredients there to have just a dominant Sunday starter. Uh, Bear Laux is a guy who turned in a lot of money out of high school, uh, really came on late in the summer. I remember talking to the Tigers' uh, scouting director, David Chad. They drafted him. They really strongly wanted Bear Laux. He saw him real well. He pitched well last year as a freshman. So uh, this team doesn't really have, in my mind, Aaron, they don't have a significant weakness, and they have a lot of strengths. Yeah, and, and, and even in looking at their lineup, like you said, they had to replace some guys, but I love having Kyle Colligan, just an explosive player at the yep. top of the lineup, and, and then a, a really a, a, a beast in the middle of the lineup with Anders. Those are two crucial building blocks, and yep. then you can kind of fill in around them with excellent athletes like, like Brooks Raley and, and Brody Green, guys who can uh, really dis- be disruptive forces for them. Uh, you and know, that's key for them, Aaron, is they are disruptive offensive exactly right. philosophy. That's what Rob Childress seems to really believe and in. And Matt Deggs Especially, there, you know, he's, he does a great job with that offense. I really, I really like that. That's one of the reasons that I'm, I'm, I believe this offense will still be strong despite their losses, and, and they'll slide in like a Joe Patterson and Nick Anders, these JUCO guys that uh, uh, that have power and, and bring you know experience to the table. I mean, it's 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 a. I think they're going to be okay offensively. I mean, that's it, that's really actually been a common thread of the the programs that Coach Childress and Deggs are both linked to. Nebraska, where Coach Childress was the pitching coach there under uh, Dave Van Horn first. No, Mike Anderson. That's the kind of lineup they had. They had a high on base percentage yeah. and a very uh, <coughs> uh, aggressive. And Jamal Strong is a name that pops to mind for me of a guy who was just a base running fiend at Nebraska in those early years when Coach Van Horn turned them around and Matt Deggs with Van Horn at Arkansas. Again, an aggressive, opportunistic offense. So it's a philosophy that has worked at those two schools. It's worked at AM. They've turned that program around quickly. So uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable. Uh, with our top three, but I'm pretty comfortable with Texas A&M yeah. being ahead of these other two teams. I think a big issue, we talked about how A&M really doesn't have any weaknesses, Aaron. I think you have to look at LSU and North Carolina and recognize that these teams are significant college series championship threats, 
And if either of these two teams won, I don't think we'd be surprised at no. all. If either of them had long stretches at the number one spot, we wouldn't be surprised at all. But LSU lost a ton of pitching last year and is going to a, a Friday guy, a sophomore, and Anthony Renato, who is talented but has a precious little experience. Twelve career innings coming into this year, and he's, and he's your Friday guy. And, and you know, I, I, I love Anthony Renato, Renato's talent. You know, coming out of New Jersey, we knew he had the talent. Uh, he went to LSU, and it was a big get for them, part of their, their banner recruiting class. But... He's got to he's got he's got to prove it. Yeah. And and you know Austin Ross and Daniel Bradshaw uh, both saw significant innings last year. Probably their their next two guys in that rotation. They're also working with a new pitching coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lost Terry Rooney, but he became head coach of Central Florida. I guess the the biggest reason to believe in LSU's pitching is they do have arms. Those guys are intriguing right. arms, even if they lack some experience. And I think they should be a, a solid defensive team, Aaron. I mean, I uh, do too. They're very athletic. Yeah, they are athletic, especially in the outfield with Landry and Mitchell, uh, Blake Dean. But then I, I like their infield with LeMahieu and Helen Nehe and Ryan Schimp. It's an experienced, yeah. athletic infield. This should be a team where maybe the pitching is going to play up because the defense should be better than the average college team. I think you're exactly right, and and. You know, I mean, it's – and Ross and Bradshaw, those guys do a pretty good job keeping the ball down, which is going to be crucial in that park. It's going to play the same as the old Alex Box. It's got the same dimensions. Right. Uh, it's going to be offensive. They're going to hit a lot of, you know, a lot of home runs there, even though they lost some of their, their big home run guys like Matt Clark, the national home run leader. It's the Southeastern Conference that almost always plays uh, yeah. plays as an offensive league. Um, and contrasting that is North Carolina, which played in a, almost like Blair Field East last year. Right. At uh, the the term uh, the National Training Center, USA Baseball National Training Center, uh, in Cary, North Carolina. Now North Carolina theoretically moving back on campus, although we'll see if the weather particip- uh, cooperates and they can have a nice finishing kick and get into Boshmer Stadium. But North Carolina, as we already mentioned, pitching at the Yin Yang, Alex White, right, Matt Harvey, Adam Warren. Uh, Patrick Johnson, I'm leaving out freshmen who are going to be uh, contenders. Uh, Jimmy Messer should be potentially a, a, a promising midweek guy. He's got a really good arm. And then uh, we mentioned some of their relief pitching. I think it's safe to say North Carolina's pitching, even moving back into the, the friendlier, cozier confines of the Bosch, uh, should be as good as anybody's. Yeah. But offensively, uh, even with a superstar in Dustin Ackley and a very good college baseball hitter in Kyle Seeger, could be a preseason All-American um, this is a thin offense. I mean, if that were the number one team in the country, I don't know that we'd ever have had North Car- a team with as thin an offense as North Carolina at the number one spot. I, honestly, I don't have a ton of faith in their offense uh, getting the job done, Aaron. I just have yeah. that much faith in their pitching. You know, and I think I have more faith in their offense than you do because I believe, uh, first of all, that Mark Flurry is going to be a breakout guy for them. He had a really good summer in the Cape last year. He has to be uh, their catcher, he, he, absolutely. And he did produce last year when given the opportunities right. in, in uh, you know, in the regular season. He's a good-looking hitter, John. I mean, he he squares it up pretty consistently, and he's got power. He does. Ha- uh, he has power. He has a consistent approach. He's patient. Um, he doesn't give away at bats generally. He's he's no, he is good. He's and, a good player. And then the other key guy, though, probably the the biggest key guy of all, is Greg Holt for me, uh, who really was their their best hitter in 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 the fall and uh, gives them some some potentially some some thump from the for the right side. And they really need that because all these guys are left-handed. You know, with Ackley and Seager and Flurry, they really need that right-handed guy like a, like Flack or Williams. Seth Williams has been the last couple of years. Right, or Tim Federovich. Tim Federovich, of course. I they mean, lost they, all their top yeah, right-handed Josh hitters Horton, last year. Josh Horton was left-handed. But, but they, they, they uh, you know, they – 
they need him to be to be good. And, yeah, and, absolutely. But 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 the weakness I see here is I'm looking at that outfield and I'm not really impressed with with. I mean, I you know I know Cavasini was good a couple of years ago when they made that Omaha run, but yeah, he got hot at the end of the season was a nice table setter for them. But that was two years ago. That was 2006. And even then, he wasn't really hitting the ball very hard. He was just kind of finding holes. You know, I think I it was know. five extra base hits the whole the right. whole year. So I mean, and, you know, Norton, Ryan Norton, Ben Bunting, Seth Baldwin, all those guys have a lot to prove. So I, I do think there are holes. I think Gore and Sieg, or Gore and, and uh, Ryan. Grapel are questionable in the infield a little bit. I mean, as far offensively, right? So, right. so you know, we gotta we'll wait to see. I really like this team. I do think they're going to hit more than you do. I think, but uh, not as balanced as A and M and. And, and, you know, I think LSU's offense will, will really play up. So we were talking about – but to me there was a strong separation in those top three teams. Right. Uh, I don't think we really even considered anybody else no. too strongly for number one for the number one spot. So it's the Baseball America College Podcast. I'm John Manuel. We're talking with Aaron Fitt, our national writer for college baseball. Aaron, uh, Texas at number four in our preseason rankings. Uh, we'll just skim down some of these and you just tell me who you want to uh, expound upon. But obviously Texas in the news – Froggy Garrido's DUI, and that's a yeah. developing situation. And obviously, uh, we w- uh, wish the best to Augie. Uh, glad no one got hurt, uh, but that's just an unfortunate situation. Anytime that happens anywhere, uh, not to mention uh, with a college baseball coach. So uh, I just hope that works out for Texas. That's a talented ball club, though. And again, they have, uh, to me, some freshmen who uh, played well last year. Now maturing into sophomores, right. yep. uh, guys are going to become, I think, uh, a big parts of their ball club. The sophomore it, class is absolutely key there. I mean, I think it's the, you know, obviously they had a, one of those guys, Chance Ruffin, was a, was an All American last mm-hmm. year, coming back as their Friday guy. Seems like he's really the leader of this team from what we've what we've been able to gather. Yep. Uh, but they could have an all-sophomore weekend rotation with Cole Green and, and Brandon Workman as well. I know we think very highly of Workman. That's a power arm for yeah, the right he side. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, is there some mechanical things, some command things, or repeating his delivery, but, boy, it's a big arm, and he's really got a lot of potential. Uh, and then, you know, Kevin Keyes, Connor Rowe, Tant Shepard, you could be looking at a, an all-sophomore outfield. So and Keyes had a huge summer last year. Where I believe was MVP of the yeah. NBC World Series. So uh, Texas, even though they lost – some very very talented outfielders and Kyle Russell and Jordan Danks should be still solid in the outfield yeah, they, uh, this, this year. Is, this is a really balanced team. I I, I like Texas a, a quite a bit. And we have Augie's uh, current club, Texas, edging his previous employer, Cal State Fullerton, at five. Titans not ranked in the preseason last year, ranked number five this year. Uh, and they're almost kind of like an inverse of last year's team. We thought they had a lot of holes, both pitching but also the lineup last year. They were able to fill those holes this year. There's still some uh, question marks maybe on the mound in terms of their experience, but I really like the talent they have on the mound Yeah. Um, with Daniel Rankin, uh, with Michael Morrison, and with their J.C. transfer. Kyle Witten. Kyle Witten, uh, yeah, whom the Twins drafted, uh, uh, Bakersfield J.C. And I think we just realized, you know, this is Dave Serrano and, and the Titans. They're going to pitch. They are uh, going to pitch. Some, give them some uh, guys to work with. They're going to pitch. Yeah. And this is an athletic uh, offense. Uh, with a tremendous uh, potential up the middle and a big-time senior coming back again. And Jared Clark had a nice summer uh, with Team USA. Uh, right. what, what else uh, grabs you about uh, Cal State Fullerton? You know, the the, the up-the-middle talent is, you know, the, the speed, the explosiveness with Josh Fellhauer, Christian Cologne, Gary Brown in particular. Those three guys really excite me. But Absolutely. The Josh Fellhauer, awesome. I like think, a t- latter-day Mark Kotze. Yeah, he's a, he's a terrific player. Uh, the only reason I think that, 
that Fullerton doesn't rank even higher on this list is is they've got a f- probably a freshman closer. And, mm-hmm. and Tyler Pill is very talented and could be fine. But, uh, you know, whenever you, you're going to rely on a freshman that much in, in such a crucial role, and, and closer is especially crucial in college baseball, yeah. uh, you know, that's, you know, that's why they're number five and not number four. He grew up a Titan, uh, Brent Pill, younger brother of Brent yep. Pill. For those of you who recall, uh, Pill was the first baseman on their 04 national championship team. So uh, the, the, usually the, the, the Titans, who are younger brothers of Titans, uh, those have worked out. There's some of those that have worked out. Ole Miss at number six, Rice at number seven, Baylor eight, UC Irvine nine, Missouri ten, Aaron. Uh, Ole Miss and Rice are kind of contrast here. Ole Miss is the, uh, the, the super regional runner-up uh, uh, every year, it seems like. They're the, always the bridesmaid. Whereas Rice has uh, gone to Omaha three straight years. Yeah. Uh, you know, we talk about North Carolina going to Omaha three straight years and not being able to win it. Same thing for Rice. And Rice has run into Carolina there a couple times and not been able to get past the Tar Heels. And Rice has entered favored uh, in 2007. They were the number one team entering the College World Series. Uh, they, they keep losing stars, the Joe Savories. Now Cole St. Clair is gone. He was there for all three of these uh, previous trips. Uh, but Ryan Barry is a familiar name for people. Uh, what, what has us uh, talk a little bit about those two teams? What, what has those two teams in the mix? Uh, yeah. Really having them in the top eight, we think those teams are Omaha uh, strong Omaha right. contenders. Well, starting with Rice, I, I you know the reason they're they're not higher on the list again is 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 you've, you've got some inexperience on the mound. Uh, I mean you you know it's they're going to be relying on on some freshmen there right away. I mean Taylor Wall I think could step right into the weekend rotation, the left-hander. Uh, you've got Mar- Matt Evers, a sophomore, who's going to have to really take over for St. Clair. It's, those mm-hmm. are big shoes to fill. I mean, I, I think that there's not as much depth on the mound here as there has been in recent years at Rice. They've had a lot of pitching depth. Yeah, absolutely. Last year, they come, you know, down the stretch of the year, they get Robbie Bell back, or yeah. Bobby Bell, and that guy was, it was huge for them down the stretch and was a veteran with good stuff and that plus changeup. Um, I guess the interesting part about this team is they've moved some guys around offensively or defensively. Uh, starting with uh, yeah. a couple key members of last year's infield, their second baseman and third baseman are not playing those positions anymore, even though they're right. both back. Yeah, and, and you know, and the reason they did that is partly just to accommodate their new incoming talent. Uh, and I like the way it works. I think Diego Seastrunk's got the the, the skills to, to be very good behind the plate. Of course, he played third base last year. They're going to put Anthony Rendon, the the outstanding freshman, at third base this year. I think Rendon is got a chance to be this year's Rick Haig. I think he's uh, uh, got that kind of an impact bat. Um, so that'll be a very good uh, left side of the infield, and then and Seastrunk led their team in RBIs last year. Was one of their mm-hmm. top hitters. I mean, this is a this is a key guy already offensively. They're moving into, into a crucial defensive spot right. behind the plate, but I think that'll probably help both their team and his pro prospects. Yeah, if he shows he can do it, you know that, that I think he could really vault up some draft boards because it's pretty good line drive bat. Uh, and then on the the right side of the infield, you've got Jimmy Camarada sliding from second base to first. Certainly not a not a prototypical first baseman. This is he's a little guy, looks like a second baseman. Right, right. But uh, you know, but he'll handle the bat a little bit. And, and and Brock Holt will step in at second base. Is just kind of another one of those pesky little uh, little middle infielder guys who can make things happen. So it's you know, and then you got speed in the outfield with with Steven Sultzba and, and and Chad Mazingo. I mean, it's I like the offense a lot. That's actually the thing that I like most about Rice. This it's a year. line drive contact. To pressure right. offense as opposed right. to a power offense. They've also two top home run guys on Aaron Luna and Zorns. Uh, so we'll see. I, I like Rice as just complete team, and I, I have as much faith in uh, Wayne Graham as I have in any right. coach in college baseball. And, and as for Ole Miss, John, quickly, uh, this year, of course, they lost some familiar faces. Uh, Lance Lynn and Cody Satterwhite are gone. Addition uh, by subtraction, I say. John, That's not, harsh. John, not a, not a big believer in those guys over the last couple of years, but uh, – 
Um, you I know, believe they, I was they, vindicated. They had big arms, but they, you know, Ole Miss never got to Omaha with those guys. So maybe they can do it with Drew Pomeranz as as the as the ace. I, I really like Drew Pomeranz. I think he's got a chance to be one of the best pitchers in the country. Um, you know, and they've got plenty of pitching depth around him. But but really the strength and, and of course the the, the senior uh, in Scott Biddle, the best closer in the country, coming back. Right. But but really the strength of this team, uh, besides maybe those two guys, Pomeranz and Biddle. Is, is is they've got a, a an experienced lineup that yeah. uh, um you know that that was had its ups and downs last year John especially defensively um they lost Evan Button their shortstop early on and and really they they struggled to to make it work in the infield after that uh he's he's clearly a key guy he'll be back this year um you know as kind of a stabilizing force but there's right. there's a lot of good veterans here with some some power hitters some speed uh, it's it's a, again a good balanced club and some experience behind the plate getting a senior back and Brett Basham there. Yeah, uh, I'm a, I'm a Logan Power fan. Uh, uh, Jordan Henry. Uh, they have um, they can they can beat you a lot of ways offensively. They can beat you with power. Even they lost Cody Overbeck in his 17 home runs. Matt Smith is back. Uh, Button, like you said, they can they could run. They can mash with you. I like uh, I like their the variety they bring offensively. Right. I think uh, uh, you know that's going to be tough. I, I think a tough uh, match for LSU. In the SEC West, uh, let's let's go probably pick up the pace yeah. a little bit here, Aaron. Uh, uh, UC Irvine, Missouri, Baylor. I, I think uh, I think Missouri is the interesting team there. They they lost Aaron Crow, um, so I think maybe people imagine they're going to take a step mm-hmm. back. I uh, really just having to replace their their the guy. They have to figure out who's at the back of the bullpen with Kyle Gibson moving into the rotation. But I think we believe that Missouri is going to be loaded again. And that they're one of the probably the most underrated programs in the country. This is yeah. just a team that's been. Extremely consistent this entire decade. They're constantly a regional, super regional threat. And, and like and like Ole Miss, I think there's some similarities here. Yeah, Both a teams lot. Great point. Lost some some big name arms, but um, but still have you know younger arms. They're going to step forward. You know, Kyle Gibson and Nick Tepish, huge Tepish, arms for, for Missouri. But but also like Ole Miss, I think Missouri uh, is looking at having one of the strongest lineups they've had in, in some time there. Uh, a lot of veteran guys. I mean, this is a, I think this club should be very solid. Uh, and, and if you're looking at the Big 12, you know, I think it's clearly we're very high in the Big 12 this yeah, year. Absolutely. We've got four Big 12 teams in our top 10. Baylor is really the enigma because they've got all kinds of talent. We know that they have. They've let us down, you know. Last and themselves probably. And them, certainly <laughs> themselves more than us yeah. uh, last year. And, and uh, who, who are Dustin Dickerson and Aaron Miller, you know. And, and, Good question. And Shaver Hansen and Rainer Campbell. I mean, who are these guys? I mean, are they the guys who, who you know, have have shown in the past that they've they've got big skills, right? Or, and Sean Tolson, another part of that class. I mean, Richard Sauce. Kendall Valls was in that class. I mean, all all these guys uh, are, are have a chance to be really good. I think the reason we've got them at number eight is because of their pitching in particular. Vols, Tolson, Craig Fritch, Willie Kemp. Uh, I mean, John Again, Ringenberg back there. It's, depth, it's, power, arms. Yep. Uh, maybe they're a little bit right-handed. I'd rather be a little bit right-handed than a little bit left-handed. Um, and then they they do have again. Uh, they have an infield that should be one of the best infielders in the, in the country right. with Shaver Hansen, Rainer Campbell, uh, even losing a guy like Beamer Weems, one of my favorite names in college baseball, um, now now one of my favorite names in, in pro baseball. That's He's right. no longer with Baylor. But uh, that's going to be key, I think, is this team finally maturing, getting some leadership, someone taking charge in that clubhouse and, and, and having this team uh, uh, not just be about potential anymore. So, yeah. uh, you know, speaking of that, UCLA, this was a team that was long on potential last year. Our preseason number one. Uh, they did rally at the end of the year to make it to regionals, Aaron, but this was they were clearly a disappointment. Uh, and yet uh, you go back to UCLA and uh, 
you see a lot of the same strengths that you saw last year. Uh, they aren't as strong potentially up up the middle defensively without uh, Crawford and and Ryan Babineau. Uh, Carithers as well. And Aiden Carithers, absolutely. But this is a team that on the mound, pitch for pitch, uh, they, and we have them grouped with San Diego, 11 and 12, San Diego, yeah. 12, uh, UCLA. Uh, those two teams, arm for arm, those are double-A caliber arms uh, right now at that age. Those are they're just uh, Garrett Cole, unsigned first-rounder, joins UCLA. I think we're probably a little bit too high on Gavin Brooks last year and, and Charles Brewer. Uh, but if those guys falter, UCLA has tons of other options. Yeah, they've got Rob Rasmus and the little lefty that I know you love. And Trevor Bauer Trevor graduating Bauer. early. Uh, long toss and 101 miles an hour. Uh, from 70 feet off flat ground. Right. They've got Eric Goodell and, and Dan Klein, these big arms. I forgot a couple all about years those ago. guys. I mean, Ridiculous. It's, it's, it's a, a very deep <clears throat> pitching staff, and so is San Diego's. I mean, and these two t- programs for me are in kind of the same boat. They both have had a lot of talent the last few years and, and have underachieved, in my opinion. Uh, with the kind of talent they've had to not reach Omaha is a disappointment. I, they, I think they, so. They both have to prove it. Uh, clearly, we still believe in their talent. Um, that's why we got them 11 and 12, you know, <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, just, you just got to do it now. That's all there is to it. I mean, it's, uh, let's see what happens. And, uh, Arizona state, Georgia, a couple teams that, and, and Stanford at 15, three programs that have done it of late Arizona state and Omaha several times recently fell short last year, losing to that Fresno state kind of postseason mojo. Um, no one involved in the uh, intra-team fight is back. No Brett Wallace, no Ike Davis. In fact, lots of guys not back for Arizona State. This is really, I think, ranking them at 13 as a, uh, a a nod toward, A, Pat Murphy's ability to always get this team to score runs, and, B, Josh Holiday's ability to recruit yeah. to Arizona State. I mean, Arizona State recruits itself, but Josh Holiday, pretty doggone good recruiting coordinator. Oh, yeah. He's done it uh, at, at Georgia Tech. He's now done it at Arizona State. Uh, that team, a lot of newcomers, a lot of talented newcomers, uh, Aaron. That, that's it. There's, uh, you know, I mean, uh, the, the reason that their class ranked number one, their recruiting class ranked number one in the country for us was more than anything else because of the talented JUCO guys. They yeah. got more impact JUCO guys than anyone else. Carlos Ramirez, who was a, uh, one of the top prospects in the Northwoods League this year, yep. is, is going to step right in and hit for power and be a solid defensive guy behind the plate. I, I think it will be better for them this year than P.D. Paramore was for them last year. I agree with you. Uh, Rich, uh, I mean, um, uh, Cole yeah. Calhoun is, a, is, a, is yep. another impact Juco guy who's going to play probably two ways for them a little bit. Jared McDonald from Pima uh, Community College is going to step in at first base. He was a top hitter last year in that in the Arizona Community College League. It's a wood bat league, and he hit about 425. And, right. You know, he wasn't a guy after his freshman year. He was an early commit to Michigan State. When you hit like he hit, you get a little bit more heat on you, and he got more heat on him, and then right. wound up at Arizona State. And then, uh, and then you've got, of course, a, a couple of freshmen in the middle of the infield with Ricio Torres uh, and Zach McPhee. Very exciting freshmen. I think they're going to be very good players for Arizona State over the next three years. But they are freshmen at key right. positions, so that's one reservation with this club. Yeah, and the other, the other key for me is Josh Spence, who's been the best pitcher in junior college baseball the last two years at Central Arizona, the Ari- uh, Australian. Uh, very much a thumb and lefty, uh, but a guy who has two quality breaking balls, great changeup, can bump 86 on a good day. Uh, we'll see how his dominance in a wood bat junior college situation translates to the Pac-10. I think his competitiveness is what is going to be the big key that helps him. And again, the other key is he's not just a guy who can't maybe throw hard. He's got hand speed, spins the breaking balls. Not just a guy who's changed up off a change up off a change up. So I'm a big Josh Spence fan. Right. Uh, not as big as Lou Pavlovich, you know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, then who is? Uh, I think Lou has the uh, has started the, the Josh Spence fan club, and it's right. Uh, five stories on Josh, which is uh, five more than they've done on uh, some of the better college players in Division One. But I digress. Georgia, number 14, Stanford, number 15, two teams that were in Omaha last year. Georgia, the national runner-up. 
But, Aaron, to me, no team has to overcome bigger losses than Georgia. Other teams, even Arizona State, had huge losses in the percentage of offense they lost and all that kind of stuff. But for me, when Georgia got it done last year was Gordon Beckham and Josh Fields, and both those guys are gone. I can't say both gone to pro ball because Joshua Fields doesn't want to sign a pro contract, it appears. Uh, But Gordon Beckham was probably the, the college baseball's MVP last year when you really think about it that way. Uh, and then Joshua Field as good a closer as it was in college baseball. Yeah, I mean, I think Beckham was right there with Buster Posey as yeah. far as the most valuable players in the yeah. country. I don't know who was more valuable. We, he took his team a little further, yeah. so I'll give it to to to, to Beckham. Back. He was he was he was the absolutely the heart of that offense last year, and and, and you can't I think overstate how much his loss means. Look, th- this team is going to have a lot of freshmen right away. I mean, I, we've seen Georgia rank very high in some other rankings, but uh, for me, I think there's a question here with with some of these young guys that they're going to be relying upon quite a bit. Uh, Colby May and Levi Hyams and. Uh, Jonathan Taylor and Chase Davidson and Zach Cohn and Michael Palazone. I mean, it's it's a really good recruiting class. Absolutely. uh, Like Arizona State's. But, you know, it doesn't have the junior college guys who give you some experience. There's going to be freshmen we're talking about. And there's also a physicality issue there. You're talking about juniors, guys who are men uh, versus guys who are still teenagers, guys who are boys to men. Uh, not to make an East Coast family reference, but uh, and that, that is a significant difference. I don't disagree. And and that said, you know, we've got a number 14 because they've got a lot of arms. I Absolutely. Mean, Ho- Trevor Holder, Alex McCree. Uh, I love their bullpen with Dean Weaver and Justin Earls back there. Good variety, power arms. Uh, the, the pitching should carry them. Who's the kid from uh, Virginia? The son? Justin, Justin Grimm. Grimm. I yeah. love Justin Grimm's arm as well. So uh, Stanford at 15, going out a little bit on the pitching and defense limb for the Cardinal. Yeah. Another team that lost a lot, Jason Castro, Cord Phelps. Uh, you know, Sean Ratliff, guys who got a lot of things done there. But we really like their sophomore class here with the athleticism of Zach Jones, uh, Jake Schlander. Uh, defensively, this is a team uh, that can really uh, produce. And they got a couple of key seniors back themselves in Brent Millville and uh, Joey August, who should help the offense. Jeff Whitlow as well. Jeff Whitlow on the mound, uh, a key guy. They have a number one guy in Jeff Inman that few teams do. Right. And a top-notch closer in Drew Storen, a draft-eligible sophomore. Yeah. We all saw his power arm on display in Omaha last year. So In that in that respect, I think the pitching staff is similar to, to Ole Miss. Both yeah, have one dominant guy at the front and one dominant guy at the back. And some, some talent but yeah. questions in between there. I, I do like Ole Miss's you know, other guys a little bit more than, I mean, Stanford, Sandbrink and Danny Sandbrink, Max Fear. Now these guys are, uh, they just don't have the kind of power stuff, you know, they they compete. They got good change-ups. We saw what Stanford did last year with, with guys like Austin Yount and Eric Davis, who are really change-up guys, kind of similar guys. here. I I think, you know, I think the offense is a little bit of a question mark here. I don't see a lot of juice in this lineup after Brent Milville. Uh, yeah, it's gonna Toby be a, Gerhardt's got to really take a big step forward. We'll I think so. His talent. He did it on the football field this uh, past fall with a thousand yards. I think he's a single season Stanford is, rushing uh, record holder now. Uh, but this was a big time, big time bat out of high school, uh, and he's he's shown some power. He hasn't hit for average, but he's shown power uh, with Stanford uh, as a college baseball player. So we'll see what Toby Gerhardt can bring this year. Sixteen to twenty-five, Aaron. I think a couple names that uh, jump out to us. Uh, first of all, uh, Louisville in there from the Big East uh, was in Omaha two years ago. I think now they're starting to uh, recoup some of the recruiting uh, mojo that you get from a trip to Omaha. It's good to see Dan McDonald, uh, that program, Chris Lamonis, those guys being able to capitalize on going to Omaha a couple of years ago. And they also have a guy, some, some, still some players from that 07 team back here with Justin Marks on the mound and Chris Dominguez at third base. And again, getting a key guy, an unsigned fifth-round pick like Dominguez back, I think it makes a huge right. difference with a team like this. Right, yeah. And, and 
uh, my one reservation with them is actually, I mean, I like their lineup quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like some of the arms they've got. Uh, I like their freshman, Tony Zick. But, again, we're talking about a freshman closer. Yep. Same thing with Florida and Tyler Pill. Yep. Uh, I mean, you know, there's for me that's always a little bit of a question mark. I don't think they've got quite as much pitching depth as some of these other teams. I agree. Uh, I mean, Matt Lee on Sunday is a guy who's had some talent. He was at Mississippi State, didn't quite – Live up to his talent. He's got to have a big year. And he's always had injury issues. He hasn't consistently stayed on the on the field. Kind of yeah. like his dad, Charlie, ex-big leaguer. There you go. Who had flashes of talent uh, in the big leagues. Uh, we've got Oregon State, the O-State Ballers, checking in at 25. Um, Oregon State, just an amazing story, obviously, in 06 and 07. 06 really was no surprise. They'd been there the year before. Same crew came back. 07, I think we were all stunned when the third-seeded uh, Beavers won it all and just ran through the postseason amazing. and dominated. 08, now Fresno State kind of usurps them, number one, as a lower seed to lowest seed ever to win the Caldwell Series. And then Oregon State doesn't even make the regionals, which is shocking. Now this year they don't even bring back Garrett Nash, who was supposed to be their kind of their offensive igniter. He's on his Mormon mission after his freshman season. But Oregon State's pitching, Aaron, is just uh, kind of otherworldly. Potentially otherworldly. Yeah, for a, for a college team. If, if we thought that, you know, if, if, if they were San Diego and, and their pitching was proven – uh, at the college level, at the Good college point. level, we would have had them a lot higher. But uh, you know, Greg they had a PV, lot of guys. Who, they had a lot of guys who took steps backwards last year, and there's no other way to put it. Right. I mean, Jorge Reyes was not good last year. No, he was awful. He was, he was a great freshman, and you it was know, a seven ERA. It's he's got to be a lot better. Is he going to is he going to be their number one guy? Uh, well, let's see who he is. You yeah. know, is he is he the guy he was last year? The guy he was before. Greg Peavy uh, was he had his ups and downs. You know, T- Tanner Robles, uh, Josh Osich, all these guys have huge arms. Absolutely. A chance to be an incredible rotation, but none of them have really really produced yet at the college level. Talking to their coaching staff, talking to Pat Casey at the Las Ve- in Las Vegas, the winter meetings, uh, or uh, Marty Lease last uh, couple weeks ago in San Diego, they're as excited about Tyler Waldron, the yeah. transfer from Pacific, as there are about anybody on their staff. And this is a, t- this is a pitching staff, Kevin Roderick, their closer. The pitchers they brought in last year, the sophomores, uh, PV, Osich, um, Roderick, and uh, Robles, uh, that was a class that was thought of as almost like a once-in-a-generation recruiting class right. for a program like Oregon State, uh, tucked up where they are. And, and they seem like they would like Waldron almost better than any of them. Yeah, and and they're also going to be relying a lot on junior college transfers. We You just don't know exactly what you're going to get. I mean, I think that these are quality transfers, but not the same caliber as the Arizona State kind of right. group. Uh, I do think that Alberto Santos will probably will hit a decent amount for them. Yep. But, uh, I'm, I'm a little less certain about Jared Norris and Stefan Romero and uh, Logan Lottie, some of these guys that uh, uh, need to prove prove themselves. So that's why we, we kind of stuck the Beavers at number 25. And their returners are guys who, you know, Koa, I won't even try to pronounce his last name. Do you know how to pronounce his last name? Uh, Ka- Ka- I don't know. Kahaloa? Yeah. <laughs> I apologize. I butchered your name, Koa. But, I think it's uh, – I wasn't saying they call him Koa K, uh, but I know he's from Las Vegas. And I know a couple of years ago he had a great summer in the nor- – West Coast Collegiate League, and is a guy with talent, yeah. but he hasn't quite produced at Oregon State yet. And this is a senior, has a really precious little experience, um, but he does have hitting ability. But that's why we have him at 25. There's talent there. Right. There's a lot of talent that hasn't done much at the college level. Uh, Go ahead. Say, some of the other teams in that 16 yeah. to 25 range. I mean, Oklahoma hasn't been a preseason ranked team in a couple of years. Right. Uh, that's a team that looks like, again, Aaron, they got some guys back they maybe didn't expect to get. And there's some real arms on that team. Yeah, yeah, there are. I mean, uh, it, it's uncertain. 
you know, how they're going to sort out their pitching staff a little bit because Garrett Richards, I think, threw very well in the fall. He's mm-hmm. probably got the biggest arm of the staff. Had a great summer in Alaska, as did Antoine Hubbard for them. He's been in the bullpen the first couple of years there, but I think they're going to give him a shot to, to earn a weekend rotation job. Uh, he can reach, you know, 95. He's, he's, he's a big arm. Uh, let's see how he adjusts to that role. And Andrew Doyle has been very experienced for them. Uh, he's, he's, he's kind of a lot of the, Big 12 innings. Yeah, he's the steadying force there. And, and they got J.R. Robinson kind of penciled in maybe as a Saturday guy. He's, he's going to work his way back from some injury stuff first. He might start in the bullpen. But Former teammate at New Mexico JC of Oregon State, second baseman Adalberto Santos. Thanks for tying that in. You're welcome. That's what, that's why, that's what the, all that information from doing the West draft stuff the last three years has to come in somewhere. That's so right. That's where it came in. But I mean, it's, you know, once again, it's a, it's a good balance club, uh, good, good power arms and, and a lot of veterans. Uh, they got some speed. They got some, some power. They got some good line drive guys. I like the offense. I think so. some commonalities of these teams, Aaron, is you have some, some real pitching clubs and guys like Pepperdine and Kent State with some real arms. I think we believe in quite a bit. Some teams that can really uh, have some athletes and can really defend. Yeah. I like, I like for, for Alabama, that's a separating factor for me right, absolutely. Uh, with Josh Rutledge at shortstop. That's a team that's a, uh, got some experience. They have some balance. Looks like Alabama's going to defend. Jake Smith at third is might be the best third baseman defensively. He might be this year's Drew Martin. Nice. Nice call for referencing NC State's third baseman. He might not even be their third baseman anymore. Yeah. Um, but Arkansas, a team with athleticism. I think some, uh, you know, some experience pitching coming back. Florida State, a team that is it really a sophomore-dominated club? That's more of an offensive team yeah. to me. That and Georgia Tech also to me. Those those two teams. Georgia Tech has some balance. They have a couple of really nice Friday and Saturday starters. Uh, guys I like in Deck McGuire and Zach Von Tersch. Yeah. But th- those two teams are a little bit more offensive in the uh, the, the offensive end of the, especially the ACC. Uh, with the sophomore class of right. Florida State and what Georgia Tech has uh, coming back. You touched on a few things I want to follow yeah. up on there, but let's, since we're talking with the ACC, let's start with that. Yeah, Clemson, Georgia Tech, right. and Florida State on our rankings. Clemson, for me, is the team that, that gets me the most excited because uh, of the depth. And, and Georgia Tech is pretty deep, too, especially um, positionally. In the lineup, yep. but, but Clemson has ridiculous depth on the mound, first of all, because you've got, you've got Graham Stoneburner and Trey Delk and Chris Dwyer potentially as yep. your front runner for the weekend rotation. But there's going to be Chris a lot Dwyer. of competition because you've got Craig Gullickson, the lefty, who was pretty solid for them as a freshman last year. You've got Ryan Henson, the senior right. lefty, with, with a pretty good arm. who was, wasn't very good last year, but, but he's got potential. a sophomore, absolutely. Yeah, you, you, you've got Kevin Brady, the highly touted, probably their top recruit this year out of Maryland, a, a big arm, maybe the best arm on the staff. Uh, then you've got, you know, the bullpen is deep with uh, with Matt Vaughn, the senior closer. You've got good setup guys with Scott Weissman and uh, uh, as a, as a Potentially dominant freshman Justin Surratt, another guy. Yeah. Uh, these these kind of littler arms that have really good arms. You got Casey Harmon, a, a good lefty who ranked in the NECBL list. I think it's a lot of pitching here, and and the lineup has a lot of different parts that can mix and match. A lot of athleticism. Uh, you're going to see some freshmen like Jason Stoles and Brad Miller get a shot, but if they don't work out, you've got veterans behind them with Stan Widman and and, uh, and John Henson. Well, there's competition there, and that's the I think that's what Jack Luggett thrives on, uh, and that's what that program seems to yeah. thrive on. Uh, and there are some big bats there as well. Yeah. And, and the thing is, they really did miss Addison Johnson last year. Their, out, their outfield has a chance to be really – uh, they're outfield in DH spots. It'll be very offensive between Johnson, Jeff Schaus, Kyle Parker, the right. ACC uh, uh, top freshman last Wilson year with a 20-plus home run. Chris Epps is still there, John, and the guy who got a really good swing was a highly tied recruit and last Ben year. Paulson, like you said. Uh, so they do have big bats. I'm a little concerned about their defense up the middle. They're f- breaking in a freshman at catcher, potentially a freshman at shortstop, yeah. depending on how uh, Whitman comes back. I think catcher is the biggest concern with this club. Yeah, they lost Cole. Doug Hogan, who was a senior, who hit a lot of home runs for them as well. So uh, we'll see with, with Clemson. We'll see with Georgia Tech. I mean, I think 
think Georgia Tech is a team, again, that's really more about depth. Um, you know, the guy Hanager uh, and uh, their first baseman, Plagman, who both had big power numbers last year, can they come back and do that? They did get Luke Merton back. I like their lineup. It's a solid lineup. Yeah. There's not necessarily a star here after Derek Dietrich. Right. Uh, you know, you think of Georgia Tech teams in the past, uh, they were always a, like a pro team, uh, pro scout, scouts dream kind of team. They're really not that kind of team this year, and guess what? They're usually better off when they're not. Yeah, um, I, th- I think Jeff Brown is the guy to keep an eye on as, as the guy who could really take off this year. Good freshman year, very good summer up, I believe, in the Cal Ripken League. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And he's got tools. He could be a good player for them. And then Florida State, I mean, uh, really, again, we're talking about MVPs. Uh, Buster Posey, our college player of the year last year. Uh, on the mound, Strauss uh, was a huge piece of what they did last year with 10 wins, a lot of saves, kind of a uh, – uh, what's the fr- the Bill James phrase? Moment of truth. Moment guy. of truth. A moment of truth guy out of the bullpen. Uh, they lost a lot of weekend rotation. Matt Farrell and Eli Villanueva. I mean, right. they're, they're the top, top, two, two, top starters. two starters. I think that that's that's my reservation with this club is you've got Jeff Parker, uh, not really a power guy as also your Friday night guy. Off. Uh, Just a personal cheese ball, not a big fan right? of the G-off spelling. That's uh, okay. I do like the arm strength behind him with John Gass and Sean Gilmartin, but these guys aren't proven. Sean Gilmartin, the rare non-Florida recruit to, uh, yeah. to Florida Good State, point. a California, California kid. Uh, that doesn't happen too often with the Seminoles. Uh, and they don't get Kyle Long, right. uh, who has left school, gone to junior college, son of Howie. Uh, but what they do have is a sophomore class that's athletic, that's proven it can hit, Tyler Holt, Mike McGee, Stuart Tapley. Uh, you know, they, they, they've got bats. Uh, I think this team right. is going to hit, and a real X factor in Devontae Richardson, uh, who hit well as a freshman, was a very productive offensive player as a freshman back in 2007. Didn't play in 2008 as he concentrated on football, now back on baseball after trying out football as a quarterback. You know, I, I think this offense is kind of similar to Rice's offense in that Interesting. it's not going to be as, as much of the big bashing offense as last year. They don't have Jack Ryan, Dennis Quinn, and Buster Posey. Maybe not as, mu- as much of a home run type offense, but, uh, you know, although, although Tapley and, and Stidham and these guys will hit some. But I think yeah. this is more of a line drive, on-base percentage offense. Like Holt Rice, starts athletic. everything for me. Holt was such a good offensive yeah. leadoff guy, I think Nider for them at the top of the lineup last year. I think a big key will be how Stidham – adjust uh, right. to his third defensive spot I think in three once years. again this could be a weak defensive team it was bad last year one of the worst teams certainly the worst team in the ACC it was their Achilles heel in, in Omaha no doubt yep. and, uh, and and you know Jason Stidham is he a shortstop I mean he's played second base he's played third base I don't think he's a natural shortstop I think that's a concern he'll probably uh, be better than Tony Delmonico Jr. and that's no offense to Tony he just shouldn't have been a shortstop right. it's the bottom line He's been moved to catcher as a pro. He gave it his best last year, and he was a shortstop that got helped get them to Omaha, which yeah. is, tells you he was better than me. But that was a weakness for them, and it did get exposed in Omaha. And, and Stuart Tapley can be exposed at third base a little bit, too. You can take advantage of him a little bit. So I, th- I think that the uh, defense is a question. And, and the other thing that separates this team from Rice, uh, for, for instance, a team that has a similar offense. No Ryan character. Barry. No Ryan Barry, no Mike Ozula. Right. I mean, right. You know, that's a big difference for me. And it is, and that's a, at least 17 spots in the rankings. And the right. thing with Florida State, the, the real surprise there is that this is a team that's all about pitching to contact and getting ground balls. You'd think that there'd be a little bit more of an emphasis defensively yeah. for them. But you had Tommy Oravets last year was their DH, and right, now he's playing right. second base. Uh, I do think they have experience in their infield with Oravets and Tapley and Stidham. I think they'll be competent. I think they'll be solid. Yeah. But I don't think defense will be a strength for them. And, and for me, with the way that uh, Jamie Shoup likes to drop guys' arm angles and they 
uh, do a lot of sinkers and sliders and get the ball on the ground, you think that uh, emphasizing defense will be a little bit bigger deal for them. But they don't have the Jose Zabala kind of players they used to, uh, uh, a glove-first uh, player they had back in the late 90s. Or, you know, Brett Groves, when he got there, was supposed to be a glove-first guy at shortstop. So that's the Baseball America College podcast. We're rounding out our top 25. Aaron, uh, Kent State, not yes, usually ranked. Uh, but this is a team that had two of the best arms in, in, in the Cape last year with right. uh, Brad Stillings and Kyle Smith. Is it Kyle Smith? Yep. Um, so they lose Chris Carpenter, but, uh, again, their pitching is almost uh, better because yeah. uh, you know, Carpenter was coming off Tommy John surgery. He was a little bit wild. These two guys have been in the weekend rotation for three years, it seems, and there's a lot of experience. This is, a, this is a, again, a team that doesn't have yeah. a weakness. It doesn't yeah, seem like you know, not I, an obvious weakness. I think it would be a mistake to look at Kent State and say, you know, Baseball America is just ranking these guys because they got these draft guys, Kyle Smith and Brad Steelings. They're more than just those two guys. Yeah. They're a lot more than that. They've got, uh, first of all, you know, a good balanced pitching staff. I think John Picorni is an underrated left-hander with good stuff. Is be their Sunday guy. They got a pretty solid bullpen. But I love the offense, John. Yeah, yeah I know they They've do. They've got power with with guys like Greg Rohan, a very physical outfield. Anthony Gallus, Jared Bartholomew, Ben Klavzinski. All these guys have power. Yeah, Klavzinski and all... Rohan are uh, those are the two names that stick out to me mostly because one guy's name is Klavzinski and one guy's name is Rohan. Uh, which is just an awesome, uh, of course, Lord of the Rings reference. I, I don't; those, those, that doesn't get old to me. And then you've got Chris Tremblay. Sorry, <laughs> I don't <laughs> know where you, where could you possibly go with that? You've got Chris Tremblay as your leadoff guy, a really good, uh, uh, solid college player, a senior who kind of is their spark plug. Uh, they're gonna, you know, I think defense is is the one question they have about their club, but I love them offensively with with power, some speed, a little bit. Should be the uh, best team really in the MAC, and I think yeah. that this is a team that's been in some regionals and and they've produced players, they produce talent. I mean, Manny Burris already the big leagues. Uh, this is not a fluke. Scott Strickland does a great job there, uh, formerly at Georgia Tech as assistant coach, and uh, definitely a protege of Danny, of Danny Halls, but who's also struck out on his own here at Kent State. And that's a, that is a program that uh, is, is definitely on the rise and is a power in the Midwest. And uh, it'll be, it would be great for a team like a Kent State. I think it would be great for college baseball if a team like Kent State, which has historically been pretty good at baseball as well, uh, got to uh, one, win the MAC. And win a you know win the tournament as well and be a regional host. Yeah, that's the kind of program that needs to be a regional host to be just to mix things up a little bit. Like Louisville was uh, in the super regional, were they not the host they for were. Oklahoma they State were. a couple yes. years ago? And that was a huge. I think it's huge for college baseball to get new names. And I think the last three years, Oregon State and Fresno State have been tremendous for college baseball. At the same time, it has in my mind reinforced a little bit of the regionalism that the West is best in college baseball. And I don't I don't doubt that myself. Uh, and there are a lot of SEC uh, fans in college baseball, and the SEC has a claim to being the best uh, conference, and there's no doubt about that. But uh, the West is the most consistent producer of college World Series champions for the last five. Basically, we're talking about Fulton in 04, Oregon State, Oregon State, Fresno State have come out of the West. Aaron, why is the West dominating in Omaha? Why is the West best in college baseball in the last five years, uh, at least at the national championship level? Well, I think certainly, you know, you can point to their their style of play and then the the competition that they face out there. There aren't a lot of midweek cream puffs for those teams yep. to play, and I think that does help you when you're playing good teams. That said, um, you know, I do think there is some element of coincidence here. I mean, it's who gets hot at the right time. You know, oh, that's a good point. Oregon State and Fresno State, the last two years especially, as they were not the best teams. They weren't the, re- the best teams in the regular season. That's for sure. Uh, you know, so so why why do they win? Is it because the the is it because the number sixteen team out west is better than the number one team in the SEC? I don't believe that. It's yeah. because they got hot. Yeah, and I, and I think that there's an element of coincidence. I think I think that's a good point. I think there's 
I think there's that that that's part of I do. I think the part about the West that has been consistent is those four those four championship teams we're talking about have been generally teams that are very strong on the mound. Um, generally teams that don't necessarily rely on the home run for their offense. That said, Fresno State hit a ton of home runs at Omaha. Last that was year. not a West Coast team. No, it wasn't. Year. I mean, they weren't was, they weren't the bunt push bunt. They didn't rely on the home run during the regular season for their offense. But once they got to Omaha, they were able to play the power game. Yep. The same has been true for Oregon State. When they haven't been dependent on home runs, but when they needed a big home run at Omaha, yep. they've been able to get it. And North right. Carolina actually kind of plays it's not a West Coast style, but that's less of a power oriented offense, more of a line drive. Right. And and when they've needed the home run, they've gotten the Chad Flack home run. Or last year when they needed to get to in the first elimination game against Fresno, they got the home run from Tim Federovich. So that's right. I think you have to be I think Aaron is absolutely right. There's some coincidence to it, it's not a and Fresno State is not a West Coast team. Uh, they're not even on the coast, but they they weren't a Western team. But I do think the the most common thing is there's been pitching, and and one thing that's been a common thread of all, a lot of these teams. Georgia does this. Yeah. Oregon State do, did this. Fresno does it. North Carolina's done it. Those teams are almost hyper regional. North Carolina a lot of times had eight nine North Carolinians on the field. Oregon State, a lot of Oregon kids. Fresno, not yeah. just California kids, but Fresno area kids. A lot right. of Clovis High guys on those teams. Fullerton is a Orange County team. Uh, that is an interesting point that I like to try to explore more. I don't have the answer. I asked the question because I was curious to hear what you'd say, and I do think an element of coincidence is no doubt there. And but I, I really I, – one thing that amazes me is these are some hyper-regional teams. These are not teams that are necess- – they can recruit nationally, it hasn't necessarily been a factor. You know, North Carolina would have a, an Andrew Miller, but eight of the other guys on the field a lot of times, he, or Matt Harvey from Connecticut, but eight of the other nine guys on the field a lot of times are North Carolina kids. Dustin Ackley's a North Carolina kid. Kyle Seeger's a North Carolina kid. You're right. Um, I wonder if there's Josh something Horton to that. Was. Josh Horton, Chad Flack, Reed Franck. Um, and that's something that really struck me about Fresno. They weren't just a California team. They were a Fresno area team. They were a San Joaquin Valley hmm. team. And Oregon State's Oregon kids. Um, I think that's interesting. I think that's something to explore as, as we go on down the season here. I think that I wonder if that kind of chemistry and shared experience is what helps the team get hot at the end of the season. I don't know. I'll say one other thing, uh, and you know, I think that's an interesting point you make. I don't know. Yeah, because I don't know the answer, the effect of it, but I do know this: teams that have won the national title this decade, especially, have been very good defensive teams. Great point. Oregon State up the efficient middle, up the middle, teams. very efficient. I mean, they've had. You know, guys, uh, stabilizers like Darwin Barney and Joey Wong, these kind of Absolutely. players. And, uh, and uh, Fullerton and 04, Justin Red Turner and Blake Davis, a tremendous uh, up the middle Fresno State last year, what did they blow you away more than anything else? I think Tommy it was Mendonca. the defense. Tommy Mendonca, Danny Eric, Muno. Eric Wetzel was such a steadying force for them at, at second base. You know, they're outfielders. I mean, they they, they played great defense. Dead Weiler in right field made uh, some, some big Gavin Hedstrom in center. I mean, they you know, that to me is, is – and if you look at it statistically, I think we wrote about this last year Gavin heading Hedstrom, into Omaha, yeah. there is a – uh, uh, the team that has won the, the national title, and, and I forget the exact statistic, but has been in the top 25 in the nation in fielding percentage every year. For hey, Georgia last year, look at the highlight reel plays that we saw out of Matt Sirianni. Uh, their infield. Gordon uh, Beckham was outstanding. Gordon Beckham was outstanding. Their third baseman, I forget. Uh, Brian Pizel, of Brian course. Brian uh Alan Matthews, draftee, was outstanding. So, uh, and they have a senior catcher back in Bryce Masanari, who may not look the part, but he's got a good arm. He can control the running yeah. game. He's... He, he's that's a that's a common thread, defending defensive and, efficiency. And we're seeing that in the big leagues as well. And and to tie it back into the original point. 
that's something that I think West Coast teams have to do well if they're going to win against other West Coast teams that are they're going to use the bunt so much and, you and know, the running do, game. The running the game. You've got to be fundamentally sound if you want to compete with those teams. Well, I think that's one reason why West Coast teams do well in the postseason. And that does play well and play into the coincidence of why so many West Coast teams that that's the element of West Coast baseball that I think translate best to the postseason. I think that's a great point. It was good to ask the question because that was an informative discussion. We got some good things out there. We don't always get when we're arguing about Clemson versus that's Georgia right, Tech. That's right. <laughs> great podcast, man. Oh man, college baseball podcasts are so much fun for us. I hope you enjoy them. We love doing them. We're going to do them every Monday. This is obviously Tuesday, but in honor of uh, the, the Reverend Doctor, we are not uh, posting this on Monday, but we'll, we'll post it on Tuesday with the. Uh, opening top 25 of the season and uh, college baseball just around the corner. The countdown clock is coming to baseballamerica.com. The season starts February 20th at 12.01 a.m. Central oh. Michigan uh, visiting Florida Gulf Coast. That's awesome. So we're looking forward to some midnight madness. We might just have to fly you down there for that, Aaron. Are you already committed? I think I'm going to be in uh, in St. Pete for the Big East Big That's Ten right. Challenge. That That's weekend. right. That's right. I forgot about that. Maybe we'll fly down uh, someone else. There you we go. got to be there. We got to blog Midnight Madness. <laughs> uh, but uh, we're just too excited about college baseball season. We hope you are too. Enough so to listen to 50 minutes of podcasting. So for Aaron Fit, I'm John Manuel. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back every week during college baseball season. Until then, so long, everybody.